1: Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Debiani I'm a film critic.
0: Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am also a film critic. What the fuck? Huh? With a period. Film critic. Is that period. like in the middle? Film, period, critic? No, that's a web address. Okay. <laughs> Although we, we should perhaps patent dot critic and just wrangle all of the remaining critics under one roof. Hey, you know what? We're all looking for work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can all use Because it. <laughs> every outlet is closing.
1: <laughs> Good times. But this is ours. This, will, this won't end until uh, one or both of us die. Pretty much. So, uh, uh, you know, eat right. <laughs> Get some exercise. Yeah, lay off okay. them ringdings. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to have less egg salad. I love it so.
0: I'm, yeah, I got I to gotta lay off the... It's, it's Cheez-Its and Doritos will forever be my weakness. Ah. Like those savory snacks. Yeah. I can give up candy. Yeah. I can put that aside. Uh, cookies, sweets. Mm-hmm. I would sting a little bit at you know giving up ice cream, but Doritos and Cheez-Its will always work their way into my bloodstream. And
1: those are crap. Like, like yeah. Those they, they're are not, really, not even good They snags. don't even taste
0: good. Like, it's not yeah. like real cheese. It's this weird chemical cheese salt flavor. Bless it so. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't stop eating it. Uh, anyway, welcome back to
1: the show. Uh, this is the last episode of our Justice Month of Justice. Where all of the episodes in November were based on, or uh, shows that were based on DC superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've covered some of the famous ones, uh, some really famous ones, like uh, The Flash, mm-hmm. uh, or the notorious failed pilot for Aquaman, Mercy Reef. Uh, last week we had uh, the producer and director of the animated series Amethyst, Princess mm-hmm. of Gemworld. Mm-hmm. That was very, very Brianne cool. Drew Hard yeah, uh, we did the failed pilot for the live-action Justice League series in the 90s.
0: <laughs> and uh, Which I got an essay out of, by the way. Nicely done.
1: <laughs> um, and listen, there's a ton. There's a ton more. We'll get back to more of it later. We didn't get to Green Lantern, the animated series. Mm. We didn't get to Constantine yet. Um, and we keep putting off Constantine because we keep hearing rumors that maybe he'll like join the— cast of Legends of Tomorrow.
0: and if, if he comes back in, like, a regular role capacity, then it's, we, we, then it's, it's off the table. It's
1: kind of hard to do it. We'll probably get to it, though. It seems like the further we mm. get, the more it's dying. But um, <laughs> the, the more the possibility is dying, mm. that is. Um, but uh, for the last one, we wanted to do one that maybe a lot of people hadn't heard of. We, we love doing deep cuts and getting kind of obscure. Mm. Um, so this particular final episode of Justice Month of Justice is based on a uh, sort of a spy slash uh, uh, bounty hunter, mercenary, bodyguard,
0: kind, kind of like Master M- Disguise. Mission Impossible rip-off before there was Mission Impossible comic book, because the original comic book came out in the 1950s. And
1: then it was revived in the 70s and that's the version we all know, and I think and, it's hard to tell. I, I'm not an expert in this character. I'm not 100% sure how influenced by Mission Impossible it was, but I bet The revival was encouraged by Mission Impossible At at the
0: very least It was part of of the the gestalt The the atmosphere that was going on Yeah, Uh,
1: so let's listen. Let's just dive right into the 1992 Television series based on The DC comic book Human Target Next on Human Target Good, beautiful
0: Garner St. John, designer of the stars Impressive style Let me move!
1: What do you want from a fashion mogul, anyway?
0: Guy has a net worth in the million. We've managed to make a pretty deadly enemy somewhere along the line.
1: Keep lookout! Is there something going on between you two? Are you falling for this guy? Heads up!
0: Human Target. Human Target starred Rick Springfield. Okay. Yes, that Rick Springfield. Rick
1: Springfield is... Uh, a uh, he's a rock star a lot of people know him he did the the he did Jesse's Girls, Jessie's girls. His biggest hit but
0: great he, song he won an Emmy for that one. He want an Emmy or, for Jesse's girl? A Grammy, okay, not an Emmy. Say, like,
1: <laughs> he <went> did a, <laughs> a TV series based on Jesse's girl, and we haven't reviewed it.
0: I, I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> we'll have to look. But he he won a Grammy for yeah. Jesse's girl, and he was nominated for a couple more for uh, for other lesser hits. Yeah,
1: he's he's had a very long, mm. uh, successful music career, and everyone kind of keeps forgetting that he's been acting kind of the whole time, like, like on and off. He yeah, was like,
0: that he, was never his his. Forte But he clearly fort. had an interest And he tried
1: to star in a whole bunch of shows uh, He was in the he was in an episode of Battlestar Galactica Which we reviewed here mm. He had a long stint on General Hospital He was in an episode of The Flash He was in an episode of The Flash He was also the co-star of Ricky and The Flash <laughs> He did not Rick Springfield did not play
0: Ricky Or, or The Flash <laughs> well, It was kind of The Flash I guess he was, he was, in, one, of, he was one of The Flash Ricky
1: and The Flash is a, a Meryl Streep movie in which Jonathan a, Demme's final film too Yeah, a, It's not bad it's an right. OK, movie. Uh, uh, Meryl Streep plays um, a woman who has a rock band, but she's not a you know, she's not a star. Mm. She just plays at like a local tavern, and she kind of gave up her family to pursue music, and that didn't work out too well as a career choice, and she has to sort of reconcile that. Rick Springfield plays her boyfriend. Rick Springfield holds his own with Meryl Streep. Like Rick's well, good for him. Rick was a pretty good I, actor.
0: I'm thinking that when you're put in a room with Meryl Streep, she kind of hoists you up a little bit, like probably. encourages you and inspires you to be a little bit better.
1: That's probably true. She seems just, to be a very... Just in general.
0: Uh, yeah. You know, I, she, if, if she were just standing in the corner reading a book, I'd be a better man.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, The Human Target aired uh, from July 20th, 1992 through August 29th, 1992. The pilot was originally shot in 1990. Mm -hmm. And didn't get picked up until after the fli I think with the flash already
0: come and gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the Flash was also it was like 1991. And we
1: bring that up because it's the same executive producers Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo Mm -hmm. who also worked on The Rocketeer, Trancers, The Sentinel, Viper, Arena, Eliminators, and we really liked what they did on The Flash. I was kind of excited to see Human
0: Target. The Flash was, I didn't say this in the episode, it's totally my jam. Like It was right up my alley. Uh, Just that era and that tone was perfect for something I would have enjoyed. Slightly broad,
1: but good characters. Episodic, but uh, in Every episode, mostly, was pretty engaging and, and, yeah. and uh, uh, innovative.
0: This show does not have that same tone. Very different tone. In fact, it's it doesn't have much of a tone at all. It's it kind of, a totally bland, rice cake kind of... <laughs> well, here's, here's the <laughs> and premise. I
1: like rice cake. Here's yeah. the premise of the human target. Uh, Rick Springfield plays Christopher Chance. Christopher Chance is a Vietnam veteran mm. uh, who who saw some shit. Uh, and is trying to make amends for various misdeeds that he did in the war um
0: he does this in the most convoluted way possible oh my god okay, so, so he he boards a super plane that never lands he has a super plane
1: <laughs> that's just where he lives <laughs> a, a it's a su- giant
0: flying wing it's like yeah it looks like a big silver boomerang
1: it's it's like that plane it's like that plane the joker had in world's finest no? I haven't that, seen that, haven't that seen cartoon now, series. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> someone gets that and they appreciate it. Um, so he, he flies around the world responding to requests to s- people like, email him or mail... I don't know what they do. They They send in requests to the human target, say, hey, someone is trying to kill me, Mm. please replace me in my life, (laughs) try to get them to kill you, and then stop them.
0: draw, Draw out the killer by putting yourself in my position.
1: So every episode begins with them flying around, going to a new location, finding out someone is in a position that someone wants them murdered... And then Rick Springfield puts on a mask, becomes the guest star of the week, mm. and so Rick, fights bad guys. So Rick
0: Springfield is actually not in the show a lot. In fact, every episode the guest star is the star of that show. There's one because brief he, play, moment. he they play Christopher. I almost called him Christopher Cross. Yeah, the the first
1: <laughs> e- scene in the first episode, Rick Springfield plays both himself and the guy he's playing. Mm. Uh, he shows up initially, there's a church and I think it's Mexico, mm. and there's an old Mexican priest played by rick springfield in old age makeup and it's really obvious it's bad old age makeup and rick springfield is not a particularly good actor he's trying to sell it like this and you're just sort of like rick don't do that that's don't
0: don't rick that's a bad accent
1: everything about this is bad this is a terrible idea you should not be doing this um and he gives this impassioned speech about how we will no longer pick, mm-hmm. you know, the the drugs or the tobacco or whatever for this bad guy. Bad guy shows up, shoots the old man in the chest. Of course, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. The old man, Rick Springfield, hops into action, beats the shit out of a bunch of like drug dealers, and then whips off his old age makeup and says, mm-hmm. "Do you believe in resurrection?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No, Bill. none of the. I believe in none of this. Can, can this I, is
0: really stupid." Can can. can can we start over can can we can we start the show differently now it's a, I,
1: I appreciate what they want to do with the intro they want to show really? him in in makeup they mm. want to they illustrate the premise this is gonna be fun and you're just I'm just watching them I'm just like this is a very limited premise.
0: This is it's a very limited premise. well here's here's the thing the, the first comic came out in the 50s the second one came out in the 70s and both feel like they were 20 years too late <laughs> as, as did this series strangely this came out in 92 and this feels like some sort of like cheapy cop show from the 70s mm-hmm. where it's just the one gimmick is you have super realistic masks they use yeah. a lot of techno Babble to make it seem really sort of computery and up to date whatever it's just a mask yeah that's all you got yeah. Really nice masks. And, and, and it
1: raises a lot of problems ha, with the series, because if you think about it, he's mm. only ever going to be able to impersonate people who are
0: basically his, his height. His frame, yeah. yeah. Basically his, I mean, you could probably put some padding on him have him play a bigger guy. You can have him, can't have mm. him play a smaller guy. In the last episode, they talked about maybe him playing a woman, maybe, but he doesn't actually do it. So. Get, we
1: never quite get to that. But yeah, but which, is a only, pit, which is a
0: pity. He's <laughs> only going to play,
1: I mean, I hope, mm. the pilot notwithstanding, after this he only plays white guys. Which is yeah. Probably a good idea. Probably best <laughs> not to open that can of worms. Yeah. Um, and again, the whole premise is he's got to just infiltrate this person's real life. Including
0: their personal lives, like just yeah. to live with their spouses and, and stuff. no one else is allowed to know, even if it makes sense for now, them to know. This would have made sense if he was doing this with, like, presidents or foreign dignitaries or, like, really highly powered politi- political figures. Makes
1: perfect sense.
0: But he doesn't do that in any episode. It's always, like, a lawyer or a reporter yeah. or some guy. He's always doing pro bono work. You never yeah. see him do a big one. Like, one, one, he's, like, a fashion designer. Like, that's yeah. the biggest, played by John Wesley Shipp, The Flash, incidentally. Yeah, yeah weird. But uh, I mean, that's the biggest celebrity. You'd think that would be that would be his cl- clientele would be like big celebrities yeah. or something. But he, he and every ever once that. in
1: a while, he does a pro bono. But yeah. like they just, yeah, I think they they might have messed that up. Listen, let's talk about uh, uh, the pilot real fast. So the pilot, as I said, was shot in 1990, and. It wasn't picked up initially, it was picked up again later Mm. But by 1992 When it aired, the cast had changed (laughs) Uh, I I guess They couldn't get some of the same actors again These things happen So originally uh, Christopher Chance's uh, Entourage, his support team uh, consisted of three people. One of them is Philo Marsden, mm-hmm. who is the same in both versions of the pilot. And you he's can see by him an both a, an actor
0: named Kirk Baltz.
1: Yeah, we've run into Kirk Baltz a lot. He mm-hmm. was in The Flash. He was in Birds of Prey. Um, then
0: his his chauffeur he, he, he was he was uh, the uh, rather notable 1992 feature film. He was the earless cop in uh, Reservoir Dogs. Kirk Baltz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kirk Baltz. Uh,
1: now Christopher Chance's. Chauffeur mm-hmm. and resident comic relief mm-hmm. is Jeff Carlisle, who in the co- who in the uh, pilot was played by E Street Band saxophonist
0: Clarence Clemens. Which I would have loved to continue to see. Yeah, more, more rock stars on the show. You, you
1: may re- also remember his acting uh, stylings in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where he mm-hmm. plays the cool guy from the future mm-hmm. who leans over and says, "It's you,
0: <laughs> it's us." Oh, who are we. Uh, what was what was he prep? was he credited as like, in that movie? It was the like the coolest, most, uh, most important man in the universe or something, something like that. that
1: yeah. Um, I also, I first learned of Clarence Clemens from um, the uh, Bruce Springsteen cover of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Because at the beginning, he's like, <laughs> hey, Clarence, you have been good? So Santa buy you a new saxophone? It's not Christmas until I hear that song. (laughs) Um, But after Mm. the pilot, he was replaced by an actor named Sammy Chester, who did not have a particularly long or storied career, but you will see him in small roles in things like Contact and
0: The 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. It keeps following us around. (laughs) I hope it never leaves. Also in the Uh, pilot... He he doesn't have a lot of character, either.
1: No, again, he's the comic relief guy. He's the funny guy. That's all he's got. Now, also in the pilot, he has a... um, Sort, sort of like, a manager,
0: I guess. They don't so, really clarify what she sure does. I'm not if she's like the first officer or if she's his boss. It was a little hard to tell. I think she works for him, like, but she does like she, a Rick, lot of Rick like the... Ca- like called the shots, but she was the one in control of everything. I think
1: she kept everything
0: running. Yeah, she's the assistant manager. <laughs>
1: I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but in the pilot, this character, Libby Page, is played by Frances Fisher, yeah. who is a great actor. You know her as the... She was Kit Winslet's mom in Titanic. She was in the TV series Resurrection. She was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 3, Viva La Fiesta. The a- classic. A- of course. That everyone has seen. She was also in the Cancel Too Soon series Strange Luck, which I'm trying to track down because I really liked that show when it was on TV. Um, but in after the pilot, they had replaced her with a younger actor. Mm. Frances Fisher is, I, I think she was in her 40s at the time or somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, she was replaced by an actor named Signe Coleman who also didn't have particularly a particularly long career or long, particularly like noteworthy mm. roles. Well, but she, she was in, in the, a lot of soap operas. She, like she was like in The Young and the Restless. She was in The Young and the Restless. Rest she was, so rest so she was in Santa Barbara, but she never had like a lot of other big mm. primetime roles like this. Um, and that's our that's core group. Now, the pilot— Just, yeah, just
0: those four. Just those and, four. And Everyone else
1: is a, is a guest star who cycles out.
0: Is it ever explained, I don't think it's ever explained, where he got the idea to do this, where he acquired the mask-making technology, where the plane comes from? They just have they, all of these They things. allude
1: to the plane. Now, the plane is obviously super crazy, stupid expensive. Mm. And I think in the pilot episode... And it's got, asked like, him,
0: lounges and, like, food. It's, it's like, really well-stocked. It's not like yeah. a submarine.
1: Well, that's another thing that changes in the opening. Yeah. Did you
0: watch the original pilot, or did you only watch, like, the new pilot? Oh, I think I only watched the new pilot. Okay,
1: so in the original pilot... The basic premise of the show, of the pilot, is Christopher Chance takes on a pro bono case. There's a guy, he's just like a local contractor, and someone's trying mm. to kill him, and he doesn't know who. Christopher Chance takes over oh, I did, his. I, did, I saw that. I that but there was it's, it's the same story oh, at okay. some point. They didn't reshoot everything. Okay. So the basic plot is he takes over this guy's life, gets kind of comfortable in suburbia, gets kind of wistful mm. for it, and uh, then he stops Richard Belzer from killing the dude, and then we're, <laughs> we're out. Um, but. The only characters who had to be replaced were mostly on the airplane. Hmm. So they only reshot the airplane bits in one other scene. So the original pilot is the same pilot, but with new actors in a couple of different scenes. They didn't refilm everything. So all the scenes on the airplane are different. And the airplane also changes, because in the series proper, it looks like an office building in the sky. Hmm. You know, lots of couches and really swank. Ficus
0: trees and stuff. In the
1: pilot, it looks like, what does it look like? It looks like Weird Al Yankovic's lair in that, like, live-action Saturday oh, morning cartoon. Geez. It's got, like, well, wires well, everywhere and weird machineries. There's one of those hanging skeletons. And I'm just like, why do you need a, <laughs> a plastic skeleton?
0: Because it's fun.
1: Because was, I know because it's fun, there, but is it just, it's just production design within an inch of its life.
0: Was there a giant novelty pencil and a chair in the shape of a hand?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't, like, an MTV <laughs> game show. <laughs> I, I half expected to see one of those cathode ray tubes like you having like yeah, the old uh, uh,
0: Ed Wood movies. Those Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's yeah, yeah.
1: Ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's that kind of like mm. mad scientist production design. But then they completely switched it around and made it classier. Um, there's also one scene in the pilot where uh, – uh, what's, what's her name? Libby? Libby. Where Libby actually has to come off of the plane and help Chance pull like a con. Mm. They're trying to sneak into a uh, a car dealership type place and steal files off of the computer. And he needs her to come in and distract Richard Belzer. Now, in the pilot, they uh, call it the Aunt Sally con because Francis Mm. Fisher is playing a rich, older woman who is
0: very difficult to please. But has a lot of money, so... Yeah the bad guy's going to go to great uh, great uh, lengths to make sure she's pleased so we can get her money
1: exactly in the reshot pilot it's the kissing cousins con which is a weird way to go where she's all of a sudden Libby is now Chance's cousin mm-hmm. and i the whole kind of con just kind of doesn't work that way like it's not like they're not really playing up how rich she is or anything like that she's just needy
0: well like she's the obnoxious one that they have to shut up and get out of the store really quickly it just
1: it's not the same con like it's, i feel like they not, should have just rewritten the scene it's not
0: the same con and it doesn't play very well because she's not really doing it for comedic purposes she's not playing it super broad she's just said oh and she's needy yeah and and that was it you know mm. it's i feel like there was a lot more that could have been done with that scene it's like okay do improv and they just sort of play it straight off of the script
1: the problem one of the problems with this pilot is that it kind of it highlights and, bl- and like kind of blows up every single part of the premise that doesn't work. Because <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing where it's like, I could see this being a movie. Yeah. I can see this being a pretty cool movie, actually, especially if you really build it up a bit and have him like impersonating president or yeah, if, or if something. you if
0: you Tom Clancy this and turn it into something really kind of terse and, and steely, then yeah, this is a good premise. Yeah.
1: But the problem with this version of the show is he's always impersonating someone else's life, and that gives everything like a lot of busy work, and it also raises a lot of questions about how valid a premise this is. Mm. Like What's the okay? So you're going undercover in this guy's life because someone's trying to kill him. Unless you think it's the guy's
0: wife, there's literally no reason not to tell her. But he doesn't. Well, but they're still not so secretive that they just won't tell people. Like yeah. in, in one episode in the the fashion designer episode, Libby has a gun in her purse, and he's like, "Hey, why do you have a gun in your purse? That's weird." Well. It turns out we're Human Target team. Yeah,
1: and it turns out it's they're like actually they rather well-known. Yeah, like people like,
0: like, in the underworld well, it's, have heard of them. It's like the A-team, you know, the, the whole irony of the A-team. It's like if if you need their help and you can find them, you can hire the A-team. Well, what's the point of being this team of helpers if nobody can get a hold of you? Yeah, the Human Target, I guess they have publicity somewhere because people can find them, but they're also super secretive. There's also the and problem... And there's, there's yeah. no... There's also no uh, question as to who they work for or who they answer to. Yeah, which which
1: gives it a, a bit of a problem because everything just feels kind of freewheeling. Like mm-hmm. half of the episodes that aired, and there's only like seven, mm-hmm. half of the episodes begin with them being bored. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're it's right. like, what are yeah. we going to do this week? <laughs> I don't know. know. Wait until Christopher Chance runs into somebody.
0: No, and, <laughs> like and that's it. And in one, they like run into somebody. He's like, are you sure you want to take this one? This one's kind of a boring case. They, they say that in half of the episodes yeah. too. Like they're, they're, they're already bored they're with their own show, calling attention to the the fact that they have no ideas for this. The event. other
1: irony of the show, and again, I like Rick Springfield fine uh, as an actor, but the entire premise is predicated on Rick Springfield being the best actor in the world. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I think it's actually very clever. You can hire somebody like Rick Springfield. You can hire anybody. You can hire Elvira in this role, and they say, that would "Well, be awesome!" I, I, and that is a show I would watch the hell out Elvira of over and over again. Elvira is the
1: human target.
0: <laughs> Sold. <laughs> angel what's angeline doing um yeah, just because you can have who act however badly he acts yeah. when he's in the office building ficus plane. And then, and then you just, then you just replace, replace it with, with whoever you need to, right? But it's a weird thing because so like, you only need Rick Springfield for like three or four scenes a week. But it's a here's the problem
1: though. It's like it gives you an opportunity you could bring in cool guest star of the week. Now mm. the guest stars we have are mostly not that cool. We got uh, Arlie Ermy shows up in one episode. Mm. He's probably the biggest recognizable face. Well, John the, Wesley Ship shows up in another well, and, one. And, and,
0: and, Kevin McCarthy, although he doesn't imitate Kevin McCarthy. There's some cool guest stars. I'm talking about just people he imitates. Okay.
1: Um, So you'd think that'd be cool, but they always have to play the same shtick. Mm. which is kind of not sure how to do their job, feeling so out awkward conversations with as, their relatives. Well,
0: th- this is where I actually kind it's not, of... It's not a
1: good excuse for a guest star.
0: I suppose not, but it, it is the one thing that I enjoyed the most about the show, where we got to see essentially a whole rotating bevy of guest actors try to play the exact same role and how those guest actors did at sort of nailing the same part. So... As kind of an observational acting exercise, this is fascinating. It's like, what, what was the problem? The problem that, is that Christopher Chance is pretending to be those people. They don't actually get to be Christopher Chance that often. But they It'd be cooler I, they get, if they, well, got they get to, to actually be Christopher Chance. And, well, how cool it. is this? You know, it's like, hey, you get to go on this show. It stars Rick Springfield as the super spy, and he's got a team of super spies, and you're the guest star. Oh, and no, you're wait. Rick Springfield! And also, you're Rick Springfield. Oh, wait, so I get to play two roles, and one of them is the star of the show? Every supporting actor in Hollywood would be banging down the door to to test their acting well, chops well, on the show. Apparently not. Well, <laughs> it didn't do well. If it was written better, maybe. Yeah. not.
1: Uh, let's let's get some backstory here. I forgot to mention. So uh, so yeah, it, this aired in the summer uh, on ABC. Uh, it debuted third in the ratings behind a rerun of Northern Exposure and the second half of a TV movie called The Marla Hansen Story. <laughs> People were. <laughs> People were not <laughs> breaking down the door to watch Human Target. And then, and that was like, I think there was a Friday. It then moved to Saturdays. Oh, that's even worse. Where it was failing against episodes of reruns of Empty Nest. <laughs> like, it was really, oh, really geez. not, really did not do well no, at all. No like, I feel kind didn't. of bad for them because clearly they entered into it with good faith. They thought they had a fun premise here. Um, so, again, that first episode's a pretty standard fare. It, it is kind of fun seeing like Rick Springfield, or not Rick Springfield, have to do things like figure out how not to get naked in front of his wife, because they don't bother doing the whole body, yeah, they just yeah. do his face. But it also feels kind of creepy when you watch those scenes, too, and you really wonder, why aren't you telling the wife? There's literally mm. no reason.
0: Well, he never like had to go there. Like mm. I'm sure if they were to make... Well, I guess they did make a new modern human target, but... Yeah. Uh, Which is slightly different, and we'll talk about that in a little mm. bit. But yeah, it, I'm glad he like he never had to sleep with a wife and say sorry. I slept with your wife. Yeah, that'd to, be really to, fucked to, up to keep my cover. At even the end there was of no this episode, cover.
1: at the end of this episode, he does actually find out that the guy he's impersonating he isn't a very good father. Like mm. he's kind of shady to his son, not like abusive, but just not supportive. Mm. And like as they are like doing their like, and I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow moment when he hugs the whole family and then gets on his flying wing. <laughs> like he he like hugs <laughs> the dude and he's just and he says uh, what is. Oh, God, you worked on the dialogue. I I thought I did. I guess. Oh, mess up again, and I might come back and take over. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like Jesus Christ, Chris. That's really dark, man. That's not a. It's not good. You you already living here.
0: Maybe not make those jokes. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, the whole thing is Philo is this VFX guy. I guess he came up with all of this. Makeup technology and mm. the plane was a gift from some rich person he helped once, but they really don't uh, talk about the
0: premise. They just expect us to accept it, mm. and the premise is just so weird <laughs> that it's hard not to well, think about it. The, the, the premise. Cast your mind back to the 1930s, and this would be a great premise. You think of something like the shadow, where there's like a lot of mystery and darkness, and well, shadows sort of surrounding a character like Christopher Chance. It, it just imagine, like him sort of infiltrating like gangsters layers and stuff in disguise. Well, that's the thing. And if this were presented in that sort of hyper stylized rocketeer, the shadow thing that was really hip in the early nineties, yeah. then this would have been a perfect show. Well, the other and problem- it, uh, I'm not sure if it was gonna, if you needed to set it in the thirties or just set it in sort of like that Batman world that could be the thirties. I think the real problem with this show, honestly, mm-hmm. I do.
1: And we'll talk about some of the other episodes too, but frankly, it's the same episode over and over again for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the premise of a guy who can become anybody.
0: Mm.
1: Cool. It's Darkman. It's Mission Impossible. You can do stuff with that.
0: Mm.
1: They always do the same thing. With the exception of one episode, he always becomes the person he's trying to help. And in the other case, he becomes their best friend because he can't impersonate them because they're a woman. Mm. Um, and that's a very limited use of I can become anybody. Like, you should be able just taking pictures of people becoming bad guys, becoming other people on the side, you know, just tailing people. There's so many different options and that is something that the newer version of The Human Target, which lasted two seasons or at least one and a half because it was Mm -hmm. like a mid-season replacement, um, that they did do that and that really...
0: He turned into several people throughout the course of an episode. I
1: I didn't really watch it but it's my understanding that he didn't just become the person who was being targeted and as a result that gave them a lot more to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, And there
0: was no talk on this show that they could only do it like they had limited resources. They could only do it like once or twice a a month before they got more latex or whatever it was. Uh,
1: The the real issue is that they need a lot of like, they need to physically scan someone a lot of the time. Mm. There's one time where they need to replace a guy who's in prison so they can't get him in there, but they get his x-rays and they're able to make it work. So clearly you could, honestly, you could just have a whole room full of weird faces Mm. that you just collected over the years
0: and you could just become random people like the fucking saint. You know, or like, or instead of having Rick Springfield, you just have like a, a standby cast of guest stars that he shows up. At. Like there's Dick Miller, but that's really Christopher Cross. That'd be cool. Christopher cool. Chance. <laughs> Christopher Cross. I got I got w- wimpy rock stars on the brain. All I right. guess
1: episode two of Human Target is called Second Chance. I thought every episode was going to have Chance in the title, but they just give up on it after a while. <laughs> but Second Chance, uh, is Arlie Ermy plays a military general. And someone's trying to kill him. And it turns mm. out the person
0: trying to kill him is David fucking Carradine. <laughs> because what was he doing in 92? This was like right before Kung Fu the Legend continues. Yeah, this is, a, this so is not a good time he, for he, David
1: Carradine. He he's he he looking for work. And bless David Carradine, he's acting the shit out of this. Oh, yeah. He's yeah.
0: really giving it his all. I'm not sleepwalking. And uh, and B.B. Besh from mm. Star Trek 2 shows up in this one.
1: Uh, yeah, also Felton Perry from Robocop. Also, uh, uh, Jim Caviezel supposedly has a small role, but I think I blinked and missed. It. Oh, I forgot to mention and, and uh, He would have been like 10 He was, he was a kid one of the little, One of the little kids in the first episode Was actually Rachel Bilson Who would go on to star in The O.C. Oh, right I didn't recognize her either Because she was a little kid But she's on mm. IMDb and that's her credit So uh, there you go I've seen her in a couple things What's weird about this episode is Like half the episode is Chance Impersonating Arlie Ermey Fighting David Carradine There's some cool stuff there It's actually one of the better episodes The other half is Arlie Ermey on the plane getting all the exposition we just had in the pilot. All the questions that are
0: being asked, all the the attention to detail about the process. The the pilot needed to be reshot. Maybe you didn't see the pilot. Maybe you're just now coming in. We we saw how well the pilot did. So if you're at home on Saturday night, you're going to need a re-explanation.
1: But again, that might mean the premise is just too complicated.
0: Well, Also, it means we have this new wrinkle in the show where Rick Springfield's down on the ground as the guests are doing the plot. Yeah and meanwhile we get to see the guest star in uh, playing themselves right as it were <laughs> uh back on the plane not just getting exposition but also kind of revealing like getting all the good character moments where they reveal why they were in trouble and how they want to turn their lives around yeah. as they talk to the show's therapist and most interesting character Libby yeah <laughs> libby's sort of like the one who... These guys are like... They're stuck on the plane. They wear matching, like, sweatsuits that they've had made up for them because I guess they take their clothes. And they're lounging around next to a ficus tree drinking coffee or whatever, talking to Libby about why they're in trouble waiting for Rick Springfield to do his thing. I would love to see, see a show that's just that. Like, we don't see any of
1: the spy stuff. It's a spinoff of Quantum Leap, and it's just the people who've been leaped. Yeah. because like, every where do while, they go? Every once in a while they mention that, they're like in like, some holding room in the future or something, mm-hmm. and I'm just like... I want to see that. That's weird. <laughs> so, like, yeah, this is it really is kind of like Quantum Leap, but it never really has that sense of immediacy. Because the whole thing in Quantum Leap is he has to go through this. There's something really
0: in it for him. Yeah, Here's a Here the day sort of, job. Some sort of cosmic force that he needs to fulfill. Yeah, he's
1: got like right, wrong so that mm. he can leap and move forward. And it was even that's an incredibly contrived premise. <laughs> but it's a but it's a premise that drives it forward. Here, mission of the week. And mission of the week mm. is. David Carradine is a disgruntled Vietnam vet. He wants to kill Arlie Ermey. There's a big fight. Bada-bing. Hmm the end the end basically uh the next episode and, and, and is- we
0: and we have the scooby-doo moment at the end of every episode where rick springfield like pulls on his jaw and rips his face off he's and really goes-
1: cavalier about it too like he never prepares anybody uh, there's one episode where he does it in front of his aging dad and it's just like you could it- give him a heart attack if you did that and,
0: and his aging dad looks like he's about to have a heart yeah, attack
1: like that's a, that's a horrifying thing to suddenly see with no context Um, So the next episode is designed by chance. John Wesley Shipp from The Flash Mm. plays a fashion designer. Someone's trying to kill him, and they have to infiltrate his fashion design studio. It's the same plot as Danger Theater.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They did the same episode in Danger Theater with Dietrich Bader. Uh, John Wesley Shipp plays a really larger-than-life character. And Rick Springfield is kind of a milk toast guy, so there was actually a plot point that he wouldn't be able to behave like that crazy. Yeah,
1: like the first, like there's always this moment where Rick Springfield shows up as the person, and they get to mm-hmm. look at themselves and they go, "Wow, how incredible is this show?" Mm-hmm. And John Wesley Shipp actually has the best reaction, which is that like, this is never going to work. I'd never wear that tie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fashion designer. He looks like crap. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dress him better. Behave. Yeah, it's just. You would think it would be more difficult to impersonate a person. Like if yeah. if some spy had replaced my wife, I'd like to think that I'd have her pegged right away. What
1: you should do, like what I would do in that situation was I would come up with some reason why I'm out of it today. Mm. I'm sick. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, I took some pain meds, and I'm a little loopy. There's or
0: I, these- I do something where I wouldn't be, when ha- I wouldn't have to interact with you know the the personal people in my life.
1: Yeah, like he always wants to get really fucking into
0: the thick of it. Mm. And now I understand the appeal of filming that. There's this sort of weird voyeuristic quality, you mm. know, sort of moving into another person's life. But the show never gives like any sort of logical or dramatic excuse for that to happen. Yeah. He just sort of likes to infiltrate. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's a creeper. Maybe he is a voyeur. Well, he likes to look through people's medicine they, cabinets. They talk
1: about how he doesn't have a life of his own. Like, maybe he thinks he doesn't deserve a life of his mm. own, and so he goes into other people's lives, and he lives surreptitiously through them. But and that's, he's that's, never called on that. He's, meant to, they, he's never called on him because they think it's kind of cute. Mm. Like, in the first episode, like the, the when the wife finds out that her husband has been impersonated for the last 48 hours, and that she almost fucked him, mm. he, he, he backed out. Like, he didn't want to do it. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> But like, you know, like it, she was in the situation and I don't know if I'd ever fucking trust anybody ever again. Like, that's a mm-hmm. weird situation. So they, yeah, sure. they don't I, I, call him out on it because the premise is fundamentally kind of creepy. I
0: travel everywhere with a gun just screaming, show me your birthmark. So this episode is, uh, turns out uh, his assistants trying to kill him. That's it. The end. Where's Vincent Chiavelli when you need him? <laughs> Some You need more weird actors on this show.
1: Well, the next episode so it actually, it has
0: it starts out like kind of okay, and I appreciate how bonkers it gets by
1: the end. Like, it feels like it's inspired by a De Palma movie. The next yeah. one's called Mirror Image.
0: So, he, a, a he shrink inter- is yeah. in danger of being murdered by one of his young patients who thinks patients like maybe 15 or so.
1: Well, there's a couple of patients it <clears throat> might be. He, he deals with a lot of people who have,
0: but he's been getting threats from one of his patients. Yeah, like and it's patients who have like dissociative disorders or, or multiple personalities. And yeah, one of them thinks he has superpowers, yeah, and like psychic abilities. And
1: Indeed, he he does at least seem hyper aware <coughs> because he can tell immediately that the therapist is Christopher Chance, mm. and he can hear like silent but like silent alarms that are like <laughs> showing off, like give Christopher like only Christopher Chance should be able to know that that's happening, and he's mm. just like someone's calling you, um, <laughs> but. Uh, Honestly, like, I was kind of, like, kind of meh on it, like, okay, this is not a terrible premise, like, see what you're going here, and then it turns out that the guy trying to kill the psychiatrist is the psychiatrist who has multiple personalities, and hates himself for not, for not, he thinks he can't help his clients, so he's killing them to put them out of their misery, and I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. It's
0: a good way to flip, flip the script on this one, uh, where, and... Uh, unfortunately, there was never the one scene where he, Rick Springfield, had to behave like he had multiple personalities in mm. front of someone.
1: No, I like who knew know. his
0: secret or something. But no, no, sadly we didn't get that acting moment. You know,
1: they did the uh, the psycho scene at the end. If you recall in the movie Psycho, you know, mm. um, nowadays we can kind of wrap our heads around the idea of multiple personalities, at least as a plot device. Mm. the nuances of it are, you know, still a mystery to a lot of people. Um, certainly, people who don't study it, but. Uh, when Psycho came out, the idea that Norman Bates uh, was also his mother mm. uh, was extremely novel and not the sort of thing most people understood. And so they kind of stopped the movie dead.
0: Right, for like, right at the end. For like yeah. the last
1: scene. for like It's like a five-minute monologue about how this From psychology this, this, works. Yeah, this
0: new shrink character came in. Someone we who never it to been the in audience, the movie before.
1: Yeah. And it's weird. And it stops everything dead. And they do it here. Mm. And I wonder if it's an homage to Psycho because it really, <laughs> like, I it feels so
0: awkward. I, but at I the same it time, it's just, just awkward. Yeah. I think
1: they were doing Psycho. I think they were just having some fun with it.
0: It's entirely possible. All
1: right, the next episode is
0: the prison episode. Yeah, it's
1: Cool Hand Chance. Oh, jeez. So uh, some guy is uh, someone's trying to murder a guy who's recently thrown in prison. Turns out he's in prison um, for mm. bullshit reasons. He killed someone in self-defense. It was obviously self-defense, but he was but
0: convicted there was, anyway. There was
1: corruption, and, and here's another good,
0: another good way to. To flip the script. You have to infiltrate somebody's life, but they are incarcerated. How yeah, he, do you, so now you have to break someone in or out of prison. Both. You have yeah. to break
1: them in and
0: out of prison and then they also... And then also, back again. And then they also bring in the wrinkle that I guess Chance was a prisoner
1: of war in Vietnam and so this they're is wor- actually,
0: they're worried that he's going to flip out. No. Yeah,
1: and he does indeed go into solitary and mm. it's shitty for him and that's actually pretty good drama.
0: It, it's good drama but Rick Springfield is such a, a mealy-mouthed actor that I didn't buy it from him. Well, like, I bought I,
1: it from the guy playing Rick Springfield.
0: Well, I, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just when you turn back into Rick Springfield, it's like I've seen a lot, man. Y- y- you saw high charting hits, is what you saw. You didn't, you did not see things, Rick Springfield. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just wish you had Jesse's girl. <laughs>
1: <sighs> He's always been a good friend of mine. Uh, but uh,
0: <laughs> slap.
1: Yeah, but this episode's okay. It certainly there's more incident than a lot of the other episodes. A mm. lot going on. You know, corrupt guards, chases. Still not great though. Two more episodes left. Going home. This is the episode in which
0: Chance is going home to meet his estranged father, who uh, was always really hard on him. Mm-hmm. Never approved of anything he did. Doesn't think Chance makes enough money. N- nothing, nothing like like emo- emotionally damaging. But he wasn't like an abusive father. He wasn't an alcoholic. No, he didn't abandon shitty, the family. He was just a bad, distant dad.
1: Yeah. And like he and loves still, him, but he doesn't know how to be a good father, which is kind of the same. Judges. It's kind of the same plot as the episode of the Flash, where the Flash has the bond with his oh, dad, the, yeah, there you for go. the first time because they never really understood each other. Mm. And it's kind of weird that they did the same thing twice, but yeah. So uh, his dad's best friend is a judge. Someone's trying to kill the judge. He impersonates the judge mm. and he actually has to spend time with his dad as someone else. There's a, there's an idea there, but then when an you idea rip there, and off the, your face in front of your aging dad, played by Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers,
0: and it's just sort of like, dude. And, and UHF. And UHF. He was the bad guy in UHF. I wanted a Rolex. <laughs> He's so good in UHF. <laughs> Um, Take that ridiculous thing off. There's one fun bit,
1: and I can tell that the actor who was playing uh, Rick Springfield playing the actor mm. was having a good time because he's like a 60, 70 year old man uh. and he gets to like knock a guy out with a judo chop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually pretty well, cool.
0: And you can, the, the actor who played the judge was and Rick Springfield was actually very, very good because his walk changed a little bit mm. when he was playing the Rick Springfield. You could tell he had a little bit more of a youthful gait. His, his presentation changed. He actually bothered to play two different roles, which I appreciate. And uh, he had a lot of conversations with Rick Springfield's dad and was trying to seed the idea of being a better father with Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that a friend would actually talk to another friend. Yeah. So it was actually kind of clever writing in those mm-hmm. scenes, and I liked those conversations, and I liked uh, Kevin McCarthy because he's great. Kevin McCarthy's always great.
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, and the
0: last episode, yeah, is- then, then rather than let it be, though, he pulls his face off in front of his dad and says, "This is me all along, Dad." Uh, and Dad's Son. just like,
1: "Oh, your job is actually pretty cool. How much do you make?"
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what chance charges ten
1: percent of what you make in a year. And it says that goes whether you're a busboy or, like, you know, a sultan.
0: Okay, and so he charges, He wants a, a tithe, then. He wants yeah. you to tithe to One him. year,
1: 10% of what you make. Boom. Goes the Chance.
0: That's a lot of money. It actually is. Kind no, of matter, a lot of no, money. no matter how no, much you're said, making. He's,
1: he's saving your life, and he's using incredibly expensive resources.
0: I, I suppose so. Yeah. I'd pay it. If you're in a jam. <laughs>
1: like, I'd pay it. That's yeah. like, it's fine. All right. And the last episode
0: is Chances Are... This one co stars. It's actually called Chances Are, yeah, it which is stars, the name uh, of a Johnny Mathis it record. It stars
1: Lisa Zane from Prophet, so that was kind of mm. fun. Wearing the world's worst wig. Oh, it, Her hair is I, I thought she just
0: had bad hair, but I mean, it could be a worst. bad wig. It's not good.
1: I kept but, expecting they were going to pull again because this is the episode mm. where Philo says, "I think I have the technology. I think I could convincingly make you a woman, mm. as opposed to like you know looking bad at." It. I think I, you could. We could do it for the premise of the show. Mm. And I thought she was wearing a bad wig because Rick Springfield would eventually wear that wig and pull it off, and he was oh. Lisa Zane the whole time. And they never went there, and that was frustrating.
0: Uh, well, it, it's frustrating because they introduce this titillating idea, and then they, they don't go through with it.
1: Yeah, except for but, a quick button at the end. Where no. Philo impersonates Libby Right Which is cute But then you think like, Okay well this opens up A lot of possibilities And I just never go there Because it's, uh, <laughs> it's the end of the show But Lisa
0: Zane plays a reporter Who's trying to report On this sort of Uh Christian doomsday cult that's amassing like not just weapons but like military grade missiles and, and they're stuff. buying
1: up huge like plots of land yeah. and uh, they're they're called the Church of Armageddon and they misspell Armageddon
0: Armageddon out of here Armageddon with Has uh, two D's in it doesn't it
1: uh, No they they uh, uh, they put an extra E in
0: it uh,
1: Ar- A A, A- R Ar- M
0: E Ar- Armageddon Yeah
1: Armageddon That's Ar- Armageddon
0: Well I, I guess I guess the, you know to copyright it they
1: <laughs> <I> had to <laughs> change the spelling <laughs> Can't copyright the apocalypse.
0: You Can't po- copyright the word Armageddon. Ain't so, no rule
1: that says you can't copyright the Armageddon.
0: <laughs> ain't no rule that says a dog can't end the world. Uh, so <laughs> this guy's amassing weapons, reporters, Air Bud, end tr- of the world pup. Oh, there's got to be a there's got to be an Armageddon dog pun in okay. there somewhere. Mm. We're we're referring to a different podcast. Armageddon. I'll take it.
1: Okay. Armageddon. On our other podcast, critically acclaimed, we reviewed all the Airbud movies this last week, so we <laughs> so still got it on the brand. It's on
0: our mind. Anyway, uh, they film. She and her cameraman film something, uh, and now she is a target of this cult. And yeah. this cult is like the most evil possible thing. And they're also tooling about with this evil weapons dealer.
1: So the camera guy actually hires Christopher Chance mm. to protect her. So he impersonates the camera guy. Problem is, the camera guy's in love with her. And she has more chemistry with Christopher Chance as the camera guy, mm. and indeed, Chance just just whisks her away at the end. Right, right, Which is like, I mean, okay, fine, she didn't have chemistry with the he, other guy, but it doesn't seem like a nice thing to do. You'd
0: think they'd do some sort of rocks like, Cerno de Bergerac thing, where he maybe. sort of, like, feeds him the poetry at some point, or yeah. like, here's what I told her, I wooed her on your behalf. It's yeah. very Shakespearean, like, do like, that.
1: Look, this was really, really weird, but, like, the guy who really cares for you is right here, and maybe you should consider going out with him sometime. Mm-hmm. And that's not what they do at all. No. It's very weird. He,
0: he just takes her for himself.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, she <laughs> goes long well, I I mean, know, like it's I her know. idea but like it's still an odd premise but this is also the one where there's a car chase with like Gatling guns on the side of a van which is a level of like action bigness that the show just doesn't again in, engage in
0: like if it was this big all the time it probably would have been fun yeah, if it came out in the 70s you would have had more vans and more Gatling guns everything was and, very van centric uh, in the uh, 70s remember the Cats in America's
1: 1970s movies where he had a van
0: if it was the 70s if you had no van you were not a man Yeah, no van no man <laughs> that was the that was the rule. That was the slogan. I was born in the late the se- I was born in the late seventies, but I was alive in the seventies, so I know what I'm talking about. Many a van, <laughs> and uh, even that's even, the, even the Monster Squad had a
1: van. That's the human target. Now, I think if this show had gone on for 100 episodes, they would have needed to expand the premise infinitely, and I think they would have also had to. Mm. I think, uh, so we've talked about it, that he needs to stop only impersonating the person in danger. They started doing that with the seventh episode. Mm. They need to do that a lot more. I also think they should have recruited some of the other people on the team
0: to impersonate people more
1: often. Like actually, yeah, like, like have,
0: have four people who are all imitators in the same room to orchestrate something a little bit more complicated. The problem is,
1: every idea I have to fix this show and get it so that it works over the course of 100 episodes just turns into Mission Impossible. <laughs> it
0: just becomes if, I, I suppose if you have a whole team of super spies who have disguises and go into, like, high-powered places, you're just watching Mission Impossible. Right, right. which that's, makes you right. right.
1: right. wonder, which is, begs the question, did we need this show? And I don't well, think
0: we did. I'm guessing... Like I said, the original comic came out in the '50s, and as we said, the the '70s comic was definitely inspired by Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. It was a, you could just say it was a ripoff. The same way, no, that,
1: no, I don't know if that's fair because it did okay, have an earlier premise. The same way were,
0: the Punisher is kind of like a ripoff of Paul Kersey or Dirty Harry. You know, it's the same type of character, just in sort of this heightened superhero universe.
1: I still disagree with this framing of it, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to let it slide because Mission Impossible was popular mm-hmm. at the time, and that's when they brought back Human Target.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So and you know. Where was Mission Impossible in the early nineties? It was just gone. Uh, like, there was the, still, the movie the, didn't come out till like ninety six. So was it really that late? Yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't until a little later. Yeah, Mission Impossible was basically dead. Ma- maybe there was like talk of putting a movie into production at the time, so they were trying to get in early on a bandwagon they thought was about to launch. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Mission Impossible was. So yeah, Mission it's, Impossible it's,
1: wouldn't come out until nineteen ninety six as a movie. Y- yeah, that's that's what I said. And yeah, no, uh, I'm just saying confirming.
0: So yeah, I'm not sure what sort of bandwagon they were trying to really ride were with probably something start like this. Because trying to start, like they were either on the tail, it was either ahead of its time or way behind its time, and it feels way behind its time with its van and its Mission Impossible ish premise van. with its van <laughs> with a Valkyrie airbrushed on the side. We should make that shirt. No van, no man. No van.
1: <laughs> I'd wear it. <laughs> um. Yeah, but basically, I mean, listen, it's an episodic show. It's going to hmm. be episodic in premise. You would only ever have these episodes, which is why I'm going to go out on a limb and just say no, this was not canceled. It was too not soon. canceled too soon. Honestly, there's, there's I would
0: not more I want to see. I this. wouldn't have taken this past the pilot, honestly. Like, I really would have just been like, this is not a series. I, I, that's the thing. You present me with a pilot, and I would probably say. Yeah, that's kind of neat. A good case of the week sort of thing. Handle it deftly and you got a show. But they didn't handle it deftly. It's hmm. a boring show. Well, it's just such a they limited premise. They, the premise is super limited. If it's a 30 minute show, maybe you can get away with it. As an hour drama, not so They much.
1: weren't really doing
0: those, like live action dramas in 30 minutes. It was yeah, always, for yeah. the
1: longest time, it's been an hour long or you fuck off.
0: <laughs> if it's 30 minutes, it's for kids. Yeah.
1: So uh, that's uh, Human Target, and that is Justice Month of Justice, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our Justice Month of
0: Justice. (laughs) I would love to hear from our listeners who might have read the comics, who can sort of say, or were, like, really, really big fans of the new version of the show to maybe shed some light as to... How this worked in a longer scope, because what we're looking at looks like they ran out of ideas super fast. Yeah,
1: and the uh, human target's still around. Like the uh, they just recently, I think last season or this season, mm. uh, brought him in as a character in uh, Arrow. Okay, um, it it's like as like a, like a one shot, but like mm-hmm. a lot of characters come back on uh, on those shows. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the human target is still around yeah and uh, a lot of the comics are still like you can probably find them if you want if you're any interest in it and the uh more recent show uh was more popular I said it lasted uh, about two seasons mm-hmm. um and it has its fans i know when we announced that we were doing this a lot of people were just like oh i like the other show mm-hmm. um so again maybe there's a way to make it work this was not this was not the way right. uh so uh if you want more canceled too soon Uh, We have a a Patreon uh, patreon Patreon.com slash Cancel Too Soon Where you can We got some exclusive videos uh, We have Google Hangouts which we're going to schedule another one for For the holidays real real soon Um, We have like prize packs We have uh, also uh, The Cancel Too Soon monthly movie Which we'll be recording, it's late this month Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be recording that later today, it might not be out until the first um, Where we're going to be reviewing The Oliver Stone miniseries Wild Palms Uh, And then next month for the Kensal Tuesday monthly movie, which is again only for Patreon subscribers, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be reviewing the remake of It's a Wonderful Life, the TV remake starring Marlo Thomas from that girl in the Jimmy Stewart role. Weird. Um, And also you get to vote on future episodes. Uh, once yeah, a month,
0: you get you get to dictate what we say. Yeah, to once everyone a month, else.
1: we do an episode that is only chosen by our Patreon subscribers. We give you a, a series of titles, and you tell us which one you want us to do. And this time, we're going to be focusing on TV shows that were based on movies. Mm. Um, a lot of people think this is a relatively new phenomenon. It is not. And oh, there's it's a
0: whole bunch of failed ones. Like we, we could do a show devoted to nothing but tv versions of movies
1: probably like so you know, uh, good
0: and bad you know like fargo might be folded into there but yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's
1: some really good ones out there but like but we're gonna be focusing on ones that didn't do well like uh dirty dancing the series which most people don't remember was a thing
0: <laughs> uh, we're
1: gonna be doing working girl the series starring mm-hmm. sandra bullock before she was sandra bullock uh a practical magic failed pilot starring jerry ryan and dana delaney and cat dennings <laughs> (laughs) So that's a hell of a thing. And what was the other one? Oh, and uh, Karen Sisko starring Carla Gugino in the Jennifer Lopez role from Out of Sight. Yeah. yeah. Um, So those are the four options. The poll will stay open for another couple of days, but it's looking like we might have a winner pretty soon. Uh, So uh, if you haven't uh, signed up for Patreon, that's our lowest tier, $5 Mm -hmm. a month. You help keep the show going, you get a free bonus episode every month, and you get to vote uh, in our polls.
0: Or if you just want to support us out of the goodness of your heart, you can pledge just a buck. You can. A lot, so a yeah, lot of yeah. people do, and we love you for it, and we thank yeah, you. Thank, for it. Thank you, you know, just a buck—that's great. We like yeah. it. We, we like that you're willing to give us just a buck every month and to, we're gonna, to keep us in our uh, doing our goofy and, crap. And
1: we're going to talk about updating uh, our perks mm. uh, for the for next year, um, just because um, you know, like. We want to keep people interested, give people new, better Mm -hmm. stuff, and we may make some slight alterations.
0: So stay tuned,
1: and uh, we'll we'll, we'll try to give you more neat stuff in the future.
0: Would you like to read some letters? We haven't done that for a while. We have
1: not, and I feel really bad about it. Let's read some letters. Our email is soon at Mm gmail.com. A lot of people send us suggestions. We don't read all of those on the air, but a lot of people Mm -hmm. remember watching these shows or have other questions for us, and we'll happily uh, cover Uh, all that. This
0: one comes from our fan, George White. Hello, George. Hi, George. Uh, George White, uh, has more knowledge in his head about British TV than anybody I know.
1: Uh, TV in general.
0: T, or I guess just TV in general. Yeah. So uh, he's going to talk about Gulliver's Travels, which was our monthly movie a few months back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, Dear CTS monthly movie, I see you're covering the 1996 Gulliver's Travels, part of the super miniseries boom of the late 90s, especially by Hallmark and their overlords, Robert, Robert Holmey Sr. and Jr., Uh, writing high on the success of Lonesome Dove. You remember Lonesome Dove? I do remember Lonesome Dove. Halmy and Gulliver and many of his other miniseries were co-productions with the British companies and channels, uh, mainly Granada and Channel 4, Merlin, though its later sequel Merlin's Apprentice was Vancouver, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, Dinotopia, Alice in Wonderland, and The Tenth Kingdom, which, uh, he rescued and was intended entirely to be a, uh, British production, I think this Hallmark sort of production is more influential than people give it credit for. Because of the first two Harry Potters are essentially Hallmark miniseries with slightly better production values. That's what I like about them. Yeah. Uh, And a less cheesy tone. Similar casts, effects by Henson's Creature Shop, same tone. All of these productions gave work to Irish people, because a lot of them were made in Ardmore Studios, less than a mile from where I live, giving work to my granddad, an animal arranger, and my best mate's dad. A prop man, Robert Holmey Jr., once again split from Hallmark and still makes things here in Ireland, but his Hallmark-era stuff includes 1994's Scarlet Gone with the Wind 2. (laughs) <laughs> the Irish sequences with Irish soap icon Mick Lally plus half of the cast of The Commitments.
1: I've been meaning to do uh, scarlet on the uh, mm. Cancel Tuesday monthly movie because I think it's really fascinating and nobody talks about it. <laughs> it's
0: because like, it was it was a big deal when it was released and then it vanished, vanished into obscurity. It's gone forever. Yeah, anyways, with it, the wind if you will. Uh, anyway Working with uh, Half of the cast Of The Commitments And Colum Meany Of course yeah, And their adaptations Of Animal Farm The old Curiosity Shop The Brian Blessed-tastic Kidnapped Exclamation point Sweeney Todd With Ben Kingsley And their That's a son, good
1: movie The Sweeney I, Todd Yeah I've seen that one That's a good yeah. one
0: Yeah. And their sci-fi channel Neverland thingy, <laughs> though ironically not the magic legend of the Leprechauns, possibly because of the Irish nature. I can imagine Morgan O'Sullivan, the leading Irish producer of the era, and Hallmark's Irish liaison, being wary of such a production and its cliches, so it was made in England. Hence the appearance of the Italian butcher from Baffled, the great Christopher Benjamin, mm. as a troll, and Michael Williams, Judy Dench's husband, as a scatty priest. And I remember an interview where Dublin's owned Orla Brady plays Randy Quaid's love interest, as she did in the Irish Daily Mail, where she joked that they wouldn't allow DVDs of the production through the Dublin airport, which is untrue as it is a popular site of DVD bargain bins. What's interesting is that in this era of the fantasy crisis in British TV, which really is best described as the era between Doctor Who's cancellation and its revival... The only consistently popular series in Britain were either kids' series like The Demon Headmaster, which I've never heard of. Great title. Yeah. Or comedies like Red Dwarf, or the time travel World War II slash modern day double life sitcom Goodnight, Sweetheart, featuring Nicholas Lyndhurst. Um. Who is in Gulliver, Gulliver, he is in Gulliver's Travels, but he's better known for his role in BBC's most successful comedy, Only Fools and Heroes, a series though huge in Britain and Ireland, never made the PBS audience, and a failed US, and a, had a failed U.S. pilot with John Leguizamo and Christopher Lloyd. In this era where lots of expensive failures, and many of them, yes, lasted one season, mainly because they weren't Doctor Who. All right, so your, your thesis here is that Doctor Who was the only thing that could carry British science fiction and fantasy? Or there was just this dark period when Doctor Who wasn't on? There was a
1: dark period. Well, listen, Hmm. things fall out of favor. Mm. and there wasn't a lot of like serious uh, sci-fi mm. fantasy yeah. on the air at the time. That, that's that's mm. true. You know, there were exceptions, but okay. that's
0: true. Yeah, he also talks about, like, it, it, this letter goes on and on, so I'm going yeah, to cut, cut you off a little bit he's, there. He's but, a font of knowledge, and we thank him for it. <laughs> but yeah, he talks about how it sort of ties into a lot of uh, American fantasy and sci-fi at the time, like mm-hmm. Babylon 5 and what have you. So yeah. I... I I appreciate that you can sort of see the whole matrix of what was going on in British TV Mm -hmm. uh, through Gulliver's Travels, and I think Gulliver's Travels is really a good example of what was going on at the time. It
1: is a flashpoint. Uh,
0: uh, Here is a letter from Olivia. Uh, Hello, I was just listening to any episode and thinking about how kind of fun it would be if you guys did a mini-episode where you go through the fall premieres and guess which ones will be (laughs) cancelled. From the trailers, I've been thinking yeah, that the Orville has no chance of surviving surviving past one season. And after watching the pilot, I'm even more sure. I'd love to hear your opinions, Olivia.
1: We missed an opportunity to do that. That mm. probably would have been kind of fun, and uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll do it next year.
0: Mm. Sounds fun.
1: Yeah, Orville uh, seems to be doing well. As for the, yeah, yeah, as for the
0: Orville, I think it's it's doing fine. I, I think it's better than star trek discovery frankly but Ooh. controversial that is controversial
1: um,
0: here's a letter from cecil hi cecil hi cecil uh, hey guys i was curious how y- you would approach a spoiler etiquette i was binge watching deep space nine and i told a star trek fan group that i was finally getting around to that someone said this character dies and i said you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on spoilers and where can i hide the body
1: <laughs> okay so spoilers are tricky uh sometimes they're really obvious a movie mm-hmm. just came out don't ruin the ending yeah it's real simple um my philosophy on spoilers for new stuff is if it's in the trailer it's not a spoiler. Clearly the yeah. studio doesn't think it's a problem, therefore it's fine. Beyond that, I think if it's in the first act it's not a spoiler because that's to you telling
0: people what the movie is about. Mm. If uh, there's a big twist at the end of the first act you don't give that away.
1: Yeah, but that's pretty rare. Like it's mm. it's not common. we're talking like huge twist. Mm. Um like the movie Red Eye has like a huge yeah, twist yeah. that they ruined in the trailers, but even that was probably a mistake and they shouldn't have done it. Um if The second act, which is basically all the fun and games, Mm. is what they call it, Um, unless there's a big twist, you you might want to just sort of talk about a couple of cool things, but... Don't ruin the whole movie. Mm. And the third act, don't touch it unless it's really obvious. Yeah. Like, if it's a romantic comedy and they end up together at the end, no one is surprised. But <laughs> if you're telling people who the killer is in a, in a, in a who, mystery, who it, yeah. that's a dick move. Now, with older stuff...
0: Well, I was about to tricky. say, if, if you're on a news group for Star Trek fans and you are just now getting around to a certain Star Trek series... That's I think that, that's kind of on you, because in a Star Trek news group, I think the assumption is that everyone has seen it, so that spoilers can be openly discussed without any sort of spoiler warning.
1: On the other hand, if you preface your comment, I haven't seen it yet, mm. and the next comment is blank dies, uh-huh. that is a dick move.
0: They did yeah, not have to do that. They
1: should have said, oh... I'm looking forward to you getting to season five or whatever.
0: You'll enjoy big things happening. Yeah, like, you, we can, you can
1: allude. But, like, the older something is, the less upset you have any right to be about being spoiled on it.
0: Mm.
1: Now, granted, look, we're all born when we're born. We miss stuff from before we were born. I think we have to play a lot of catch-up. Yeah. Um... And it, it sucks that there's like an old movie, and like I knew the ending of Psycho before I saw it. I knew mm. what Rosebud was before I saw Citizen Kane. And I saw Citizen Kane when I was like seven. It just you just pick these things up. Mm. Didn't ruin the movie. The movie was still fantastic. But you know, it would have been nice mm. if I could have if I could have avoided well, it. But y- mm. there's only so much sort of shielding we can do when they enter the pop culture lexicon. Yeah,
0: and consider when you go into...
1: Look, I'm going to say this right now, the movies. Mm. Star Trek Two, ends with Spock dying. Star Trek Three is about Spock not dying.
0: Yeah, that, that's
1: the title <laughs> of the it's film. It's okay to Spock, say Spock yeah. died. We all know now. Like, it's. I think that's like it's. It's lame because it was such a huge thing at the time. But like, we all know Darth Vader is Luke's father. It's way
0: more than a twist now. Well, I mean that now they've based entire movies on that twist. Yeah. So. Um, There have been actual studies on this about sort of how much somebody can enjoy a film or a book. And if you know what an ending is before you go into a movie, there's actually figures that you enjoy the film more. Mm. I think there's like less stress. You can kind of see where it's headed and kind of appreciate the the craft a little bit more. It's like when you study Shakespeare in college, they tell you the ending. They're not going to save for the ending, whether or not Romeo and Juliet get out alive. They're going to say, and it's about these kids and they kill themselves at the end now let's start reading the play. Right, it, It's I, I don't want to spoil things. I try not to spoil things. But when things are spoiled for me, I don't mind so much. Well, I think we have to look at the word itself. Mm. Spoiler. It's yeah. not just
1: any information about a film. I hear a lot of people talk about if you tell me one thing that happens in Star Wars the Last Jedi, I will kill you. And I'm like, that's not a spoiler.
0: No, that doesn't spoil the movie. Like, if I tell you... Unless that, they like, want to go in as completely as fresh well, and as possible. That, and that's fine. But there's a difference between knowing
1: a little bit about something mm. and having it ruined. Spoiling is ruining it. Like, if I told you the twist ending of famous movie with twist ending, you can mm. think of any of them off the top of your head. Like, like a huge twist ending. Like, Psycho was at the time. Mm. That's a dick move. That is spoiling it. That's ruining this expo- This moment where you'd be able to go like, oh, my God. That Roman is ruined for you. Uh-huh. But if I fucking tell you that, like, hey, you know who the star of Force Awakens is? It's actually Daisy Ridley. That's not spoiling that movie. <laughs> You're going to figure that out right away. Mm. Like, ten minutes in, it's pretty obvious. Well, maybe 15. But, like, it's pretty obvious who the protagonist is. Like, it's it's, I think we've gone a little far. With spoilers. And I think that's something that we're trying to be sensitive Mm. to people and try to preserve the experience. But if you're preserving the experience so much that you can no longer talk about the experience and no longer like share it with people, even vaguely, Mm. I think that's a problem and I think we need to work on it. I don't have the right solution to it. I have my own, you Mm. know, judgment. Yeah. I have my own general guidelines, as I mentioned before, my sort of act, Mm. you know, guidelines. Um, But um, we're all doing the best we can And we all want you to enjoy a bunch of cool stuff So um, again If you tell someone you haven't seen something yet And their response is to Whip out a spoiler Mm -hmm. That's a jerk move Regardless I think
0: we can agree on that Here's a letter from Marshall Hello Marshall Hi Uh, Greetings TV Wasteland scavengers (laughs) I want a t-shirt that. with that phrase on it. Just you and me, like, yeah. rifling through Betamaxes with sticks. <laughs> we have big bundles on our backs. Yeah. Uh, I have been enjoying your podcast over the last couple of months. I haven't completely caught up with all the shows yet, but I'm staying current on new shows while catching up as I can. I just listened to your manual episode and enjoyed your comments and insights. I look back at that show with fondness. <laughs> yes, my parents were watching Dallas at the time, but my friends and I like to watch the strange and fun shows the other networks dumped on that night. I'm glad to see that Auto Man is already on your list.
1: You will get to yeah. we have it.
0: another one season show that falls into that Friday night niche of time is Otherworld, the story of a family who stumbled into another dimension and who are searching for a way home while encouraging various adventures along the way
1: we're aware of that I'm on the, yeah. I'm on the
0: lookout for the, only, it. the only thing I remember about the show is that Jonathan Banks appropriately played the bad guy I noticed most of the episodes are on YouTube I'll have to check them out however I also love to hear you guys break it down I was happy to hear that 2007's daybreak was on your list because it also stars Jonathan Banks as a delicious bad guy there you go. It's on YouTube, or it's on Hulu, excuse me. Yeah,
1: we have that one. We have, uh, we, have, we have a large library which we're, we're getting through as fast yeah. as we can but we're uh, really doing By
0: the way, do you have your request list Posted anywhere? It might help you avoid Continuing getting the same requests over and over Anyway, I'm enjoying the show, keep up the good work
1: uh, We're not putting the That's... request list on there because mm-hmm. Well, we don't want anyone to get too excited Because just because it's a request Doesn't mean yeah. um, that we're able to track it down uh, The other issue is We kind of want people to sort of share The ones that they know about And honestly, mm-hmm. every time I bring up the show People tell us tell me a show that they love that didn't mm. last. And I swear to God, nine times out of ten, it's a show I haven't heard of. Yeah, Still, yeah. after doing the show and doing research for the show for like going on two years now. Mm. Like, it's amazing how many shows there were that suddenly meant something. To get, and you see their eyes light up. I'd rather have you go with the one off the top of your head than scour... List. Our list. Now, these lists are available online. You can go to Wikipedia and mm. see like a whole bunch. Or uh, um,
0: Well, he's you know, wondering, you know, just so we don't get multiple uh, recommendations. The, the problem with that is we like getting multiple recommendations that's because true. it pushes it higher up the list. It's yeah. sort of impetus to get us to do it the m- sooner. The
1: more people request something, the more likely mm. we are to do it soon. And we're probably going to dedicate... Probably like January and or February to getting to some of the more requested shows that we've had in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, we did a couple of theme months in a row, what, three actually, and well, which, uh, which
0: means we're sort of skewing from a lot of like a lot of the ones we did in those theme months were recommended to us. Absolutely, but uh, we also threw in a couple for our own sake. Yeah, and uh, we're we're. Uh, going to do more requests moving forward
1: yeah and like well i mean we've, we've been doing requests but my yeah. point is that we're going to focus we're gonna a do bit more
0: more requests
1: for a few for a month or two uh, we have some things planned for december mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that in a minute but for uh, january and or february we're going to focus
0: on a lot of ones that we get a lot of requests mm-hmm. for. uh this one comes from adam hello adam Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney In one of my previous letters I mentioned that I am finishing a book And I want to mention you guys In the acknowledgments section Oh that's that's nice sweet How old is this letter Did we fuck up Um, It it does date back to October Mm. But we're catching up Okay
1: I Um, hope it's not too
0: late (laughs) Bibbs asked what the book is about So I wanted to explain It's the longer and improved version Of my PhD thesis Which is about Russian travel writing Of the 19th century Excuse me Yeah the 19th century Yeah Only specialists will find the topic interesting, but I'm glad to see my work done after several years, and I'm a bit proud of leaving something after me.
1: You should be proud. That's That's amazing.
0: As as somebody who never got to write, like, a big, brainy senior thesis, I only got to do, like, animation projects and pitch projects, because I was going to film school. Right. That stuff dates really quickly, and it's not nearly as impressive as as a survey of Russian travel writing. We've been meaning to. I I admire what you do more than what I do. Well,
1: we've been meaning to, and we put together, like, a template for it, and we never Mm. got very far into it, put together, like, a book, a Cancel Too Soon Mm. guidebook. Um, and uh, I, I, I
0: started started to work on it, and I, we've just been sidetracked. It's, it's, so. But you know
1: what? I'm going to have a bit more free time in the near future, unfortunately. Mm. So uh,
0: uh, I,
1: I'm planning on trying to get back to that, yeah, and uh, yeah. so we'll do something similar. But Weird. congratulations on your book! You yeah. deserve all the praise you can get. It's a, it's a daunting mm. task.
0: Uh, speaking of old letters, in an old letter, I requested for you to review Mortal Kombat Conquest. And I wanted to give you a shout-out to a series I remember from my teenage years for having the best cliffhanger ending ever. Now I wanted to request it again, but for a different reason. I've recently rewatched several episodes, and I would like to say that you should consider talking about this show, because there's an argument to be made that the show is so bad that it's actually enjoyable. Okay. It never gets boring. It's cheesy as hell, spectacle of action, and lots of boobs. Gotta love the ridiculous cartoon-like schemes of the various villains. The characters are not only underdeveloped, but they are redeveloped every few episodes. Nice. <laughs> If this week's episode needs them to be noble, they are. If the later story needs them to be violent, out of nowhere, they become violent. The acting is often hilariously laughable. The story makes no sense. CGI effects are horrible in the dialogue. Guys, I'm compiling a whole list of the funniest lines. Here is an exchange. Kiri, Shao Kahn does not tolerate failure, nor do I. Noob Saibot, I've never failed you. On the contrary, you've served me well. What? <laughs> What? Uh, future events will affect you in the future. That's
1: seriously some Ed Wood fucking
0: dialogue. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah.
1: amazing.
0: I also love how, in the very first scene of the series, Shang Tsung tries to do his signature move and steal Kung Lao's soul. Lao defends himself, and the sorcerer's reaction is very clever. <laughs> Oh, this sounds great. All right, we did need to track this down. Yeah. I know the show lasted for one long season, so it would require a lot of watching from you guys, but I promise it will be time well spent. So when they reboot Mortal Kombat, the movie, which is a question of time, yeah. you should consider doing a tie-in, cancel-too-soon episode. Thanks for reading my ramblings, Adam. Yeah, that sounds cool, man. We will definitely check that one out. Right. That sounds neat. Uh, do you want to do one more? Let's do one more. All right. This one comes from Cecil again. Hello, Cecil. Hi. Um, hi, guys. You were talking about sexual tension. Um Uh, our beef with sexual tension is that it's great when it's there and it's horrible when it's broken. Yeah. Like when the characters finally sleep together and there's nowhere to go after that, the show typically tends to suffer.
1: Yeah. Whenever you have two characters who aren't in a relationship, particularly if they're male and female, Mm. uh, there's always the idea that, Oh, someday they're going to hook up. Mm. Someday they're going to get together. And uh, sometimes there's also just no chemistry. Like they want to put it there and it's not. And that's also frustrating.
0: Yeah. So sexual tension. Mm. Anyway, sexual tension. Um, One, in Doctor Who, it backfired so hard with Martha, mm. who I think was the da- Dan- David Tennants.: David Tennant's second companion. second companion.. Yeah. Uh, that no one wanted to do it again, and even though the doctor is married to River, they have as much sexual chemistry as he would with a toaster. Mm. This was on purpose. Uh, number two, I saw an ad for Bones, where they found a moment where Bones looks like a booth's belt buckle, and <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> I saw an ad for Bones. Or they found a moment where Bones looks at Booth's belt buckle, and she was like, "She is totally looking at his dick." Nice. <laughs> People are weird, Cecil. <laughs> that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah uh, the
1: doctor finally had like a romantic relationship with Rose, mm-hmm. his first companion in the Russell T Davies run, and they got away with it because just because um, mm-hmm. the actors were good and it, and it and it worked. But when they replaced Rose. Uh, They had a character named Martha, who's played Hmm. by a great
0: actor, but Uh, like... Freema Agamemnon. Yeah, Yeah. she's
1: she's great on Sensei, and I really like her. Um, But they... Had like the doctor on the rebound, and like she was super into him, and mm. it was just super awkward. And they just well, haven't like, gotten back to it, and I think with good cause.
0: She kept coming on to him, and he kept yeah. shooting, like knocking her away. And, and she's
1: just jealous of his old companion. Mm. It's not a good dynamic, it's not a healthy mm. dynamic. She's and, a and great she... character. They did some cool episodes with her, but like they just, yeah. she was trapped in this sort of post Rose cycle. Mm-hmm. So that when they brought in Catherine Tate afterwards, it was really a, a relief to yeah. not have any sexual chemistry, and they <laughs> kind of stopped bothering after. After a while hmm. and they made him like a rather chaste Old man
0: which I Appreciate I, I do too I, I want The doctor to be The stodgy old Professor in college that you're deathly Afraid of disappointing well they, that, that's That's how I want his character they to play. played
1: it a little bit Like especially Matt Smith I think where A lot of people were like super attracted to him and he didn't Know what to do with that information
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, And there was a the big crossover Where um Like someone was kissing him and uh, like the the war doctor john hurt mm. was just like this does this snogging happen a lot? It's like, it starts happening a lot.
0: It's really weird. <laughs> well, but, and he was the youngest actor to play the role. So, he was. yeah. So, the, like, the, I, I guess they wanted to put that in there. No, no, and, like, he's was, young now. It was
1: starting to happen with Tenant as well, but, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Anyway, super weird. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, listen, you, if you want to email us, too soon at gmail.com. Remember, canceled has one L. Again, we're on patreon.com slash too soon. If you want to uh, mm-hmm. stop on by, uh, contribute on. to the show, mm-hmm. we would certainly appreciate it and we'd love you for it. Mm-hmm. And we have perks for you as
0: well. Uh, if not, thanks for listening anyway. Uh, yeah, it's by all well, means, great, great to have you here nonetheless. If you can't afford to contribute, just tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Write a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Um, we're also on Stitcher
1: and a couple other services as well, so wherever you find us, if you could just give us a quick couple of sentences. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you like the show if you're bothering <laughs> to do that, uh, but be honest. You know, that's, We'd be hypocritical if we didn't want you to be honest mm-hmm. about it. Um, but listen, I love the show, and we're going to keep doing it, and uh, next
0: week, uh, we're going to have We've uh, been we've been doing way too much fantasy recently, yeah. so we're going to back way the hell off.
1: Yeah, we're not going to do any I don't think we have any fantasy plan unless uh, practical magic wins the the mm. poll. We're not planning on having anything fantasy related in December, but we are going to do a show that we were going to do later but now we kind of have to. Uh we're going to do a short-lived <laughs> show about a hunky actor who impersonates people. This was a coincidence. <laughs> uh it's called David Cassidy Man Undercover. <laughs> because David Cassidy passed away it's, it's, We miss him so
0: It's also a good way to segue straight from human target Into less yeah. fantastical we, things I so, really did
1: not plan to put these side by side mm. It's going to be a weird com- comparison But yeah, David Cassidy starred in a series in the I think it was the late 70s, maybe early 80s I don't have the numbers in front of me mm. uh, Where he played an undercover cop <laughs> And he kept going undercover every episode As someone yep. else cool <laughs> <laughs> and I can't and, wait to check it out. And he's David Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be super great. Uh, anyway, we're on Twitter at Cancelcast. I'm at William Babiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, if you want to listen to our other podcast, Critically Acclaimed, that's on the Schmozeno iTunes Network. You can also listen to it on YouTube on SK. So thank you, everybody, mm-hmm. for listening, and we'll see you next season.